Amen. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord, and He's been speaking to us um, over the last few weeks. Um, and He has a new life to give to us, and we're going to take that on uh, in reality as we come to the table. But uh, it's not just a case of listening. It's a case also of doing God's word. And, and this was uh, really ca- came home to me yesterday. I've been given responsibility to administer a Facebook page for Giba Conservancy. And uh, this thing kind of arrived on my computer a couple of days ago, and I, I looked at this. Uh, last year... I went and did a a workshop here on how to use social media. I listened for a couple of hours and I took notes. But when it actually came to looking at it, what was I supposed to do? So I called Zalani. Zalani, what do I do with this thing? So he says, no, if you click here, you can see that. If you click here, you can do that and you can share with those people. And if you want to do that, you do that. And all of these things moved around and I thought, oi, oi, oi. And, and after Zalani went, I, I then got down last night and I did some things by myself, but it was only then that I was actually learning. We don't really learn by listening and taking notes. We don't really learn that much by looking. I mean, that's what I was, when Zalani was showing me, I was just looking at this thing. It was amazing. But I didn't really learn until I started doing it myself. And that's what the gospel is about. Uh, we can come to church on a, on a Sunday. We can listen. We can see people worshiping. But unless we're really participating, um, we're not learning too much. I, I came across this. Uh, well, I think it's, it's, it's a, a nice, interesting statement. It comes from the 1800s written by a a Danish philosopher uh, by the name of Kierkegaard. Um, Anyway, yeah, I don't know these things. Uh, But he wrote a critique of uh, systematic theology, and, and he said, the matter is quite simple. The Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be able to understand it because we pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we're obliged to act accordingly. He continues, says, take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My God, you will say, if I do that, my whole life will be ruined. How would I ever get on in the world? And that's exactly the problem. We, we can come to church on a Sunday, and, and then there's a disconnect on Monday because we try and implement what we've heard. But the whole point of the gospel is 
that we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. And sometimes we ask, why are things so difficult? God, can't you make it easier for me? But the whole point is that we're not supposed to be able to do this in our own strength. Um, and, you know, what is the gospel all about? It's, it's not that we are free to sin because we can be forgiven. The whole point of the gospel is that we are free not to sin. We are free not to sin because we have God's Holy Spirit within us. And when we come to the table, we symbolically and in reality, we commit ourselves, we eat the body of Christ, we drink the blood of Christ, we take God's Holy Spirit within so that we can go out living in his strength, not in our own. Um, just some of the scriptures that God has been speaking to us recently from Colossians chapter 3. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So as we come to the table, we are putting off the old self. We are putting on the new self. We are internalizing it. Um, That passage carries on. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of the one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. We started a few minutes ago by giving thanks. This is, we've got so much to give thanks for. I mean, if we take on this gospel, this is our heartbeat is just to give thanks and to, as Christ pours his love into us, to pour that love out again. Um, yeah, in, in, in Corinthians, Paul writes, is not the cup of, of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? So we come forward now to... With thanksgiving, we're participating in the blood of Christ. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? We are his body, and we reflect that as we come and we partake. We are his body here. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. Yeah, as we come to the table, we come dying to our own self, our own will, our own way, our own trying to do, uh, live the gospel in our own strength. 
We need to die to that. And we need to take in the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, to live within us. We need to put on the new self so that we can live the gospel with love, forgiveness, and thanksgiving. Um, Good morning, church. I have been burdened for praying for Muslims for a long time now, and I belong to two, or I subscribe to two sites, one of which is called Jericho, and the other one I think is called M5, which gives you weekly guidance about how to pray for Muslim people in various parts of the world. And I personally had never had an encounter with a Muslim. And, you know, I've just... I love the scripture. I've always loved the scripture. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as I tell you this story, it's not about me. It's about my being God's workmanship, created to do a good work, which he'd prepared long ago. Now, I have a confession to make. I love jewelry. Are there a few others who are in Milan? <laughs> and I was at the East Coast Garden House and Garden Show because um, Neil and Kath Holly had a stand there. And I was wandering around on my own because they were on duty and I came to this jewelry stand and went and my eyes were getting bigger and bigger and I quietly just observed everything. And a lovely young man came up to me and he had an accent which I thought was French which actually turned out to be Iranian. And we started to chat, and he sold me a lovely ring, which I'm wearing. And after that, I said to him, just after I'd paid, I said to him, gosh, you know, I have a bit of an addiction to jewelry. It's a bit of an expensive addiction. I really love it. And he said, well, I'm the same with pipes and tobacco. So I said, do you smoke? He said, no, not really. I just like them. I like the smell. So he said, it's just as well I, I, I don't drink much because otherwise I might be addicted to wine. So I said, but you're a Muslim because he told me he came from Iran. So I said, you're not allowed to drink anyway. So he said, but I do. So I said, well, what kind of a Muslim are you? <laughs> being cheeky, being a mando, okay? So he said, well, I'm, I go to the mosque and every now and then I go to church but, you know, it's the same God. So all the ding-ding bells were going, no, 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 no. But the Lord said to me, mm, no, you don't say anything. When I'm encountering people like this, I keep my ears open to the Holy Spirit all the time. And I'm saying in my mind, Lord, what, 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 what to say, what to say, what to do. And that's, I think, being instant in and out of season, isn't it? So... We carried on talking, and he said to me, you know, I had a very close relationship with God when I was 18. In the mosque, I would pray to Allah, and I had this very close relationship, and then it disappeared. Now, he's about 32, 33, I'd say, and then he said, he comes out from around every year to sell jewelry. I was in Cape Town with a female friend of mine, and she said, come to church. So I thought, why not? So he went to church, and he said, It was unbelievable. He said, I started to cry. I was completely overwhelmed by the love of God. He said, Jesus 
touched me. Now, this is while all the crowds are walking around the East Coast show and people are coming and going and buying jewelry. And he said, Jesus touched me and he loved me. But obviously he'd let this experience go. So I just said to him, you know what? He will never leave you or forsake you. He is my life support system. Please hang on to him. So he said, can I ask you a favor? So I said, yes, sure. So he said, will you pray for my father? He's terminally ill with cancer, and I actually have to go back to Iran. So I said, well, can we pray now at the East Coast Garden Show? So he said, sure. So I walked into his stall and took his hand. He then took both my hands, and we prayed for his father. And the more we prayed, the tighter he held my hands. He just held on to me. And in the end, I just gave him a hug, and he just hugged me and hugged me. And later on, he sent me a message saying, because I sent him a message saying, I will continue to pray for you and your dad. And he sent me a message back saying, I've been thinking about our encounter all night and the love of Jesus all night. He said, I cannot stop thinking of it. And he said, I just pray it will be well with your heart. And I said, well, any time you want to text me, I will pray. And I just want to share that because we hear so many stories about Muslims third, fourth hand, but God is at work. God is at work. So if you want to pray for Sarush, please pray for him. He's a beautiful young man, absolutely beautiful. In fact, should we pray now? Father God, we lift Sarush up to you. We ask, Father, that you would give him revelation that Allah is not Jehovah. And Lord, that you are Jesus, you are one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. I pray for revelation from on high. And I pray, Lord, that you will gradually withdraw him from the mosque and plant him in the church. And we pray for grace, and, and his dad is very close to death. We just pray that he may die knowing Jesus, and that Sarush will lead him to the Lord. And we ask that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, everybody. So I have a story. Turns out today is a gem Sunday. That's so cool. Um, I've got so many stories that I'm grappling in my head where to go. So Jesus is in the boat and he's taking his disciples across to the other side for what we don't know yet, but he's in the boat and he's fast asleep in the boat. And a a storm comes and it's a significant storm. The scriptures um, call it a storm that is set to overturn the boat. And they are terrified and he's fast asleep. <laughs> what did that even look like? This body being flopped around in the, sorry, it's just my mind. <laughs> anyway. Um, and he woke up because the disciples woke him up. He didn't wake up because of the storm. He woke up because of the disciples. The wind and waves were terrifying, and they said to him, Don't you care that we're going to die? 
The storm was significant enough for them to believe that they were about to die. And he, he, he admonished them, in fact, for their uh, lack of faith. That's interesting. But he stood up and he said, will you be quiet? And he told the storm to be quiet, and the sea became as clear as glass. He told the wind and the waves to shut up. And then they get to the other side of the boat, and here is a naked madman who, who is so nuts and violent that he lives in the cemetery. He's so demonized that when they tie him up, um, he breaks his chains. This dude is demonized. He has enough demons in him to drive 2,000 pigs over a cliff edge. <laughs> Come on. So he comes and he meets Jesus as Jesus comes onto the shore. And he, with his many demons, bows down before Jesus and worships him. He and his demons, before Jesus had cast out his demons. Good to see you guys. And they worshipped. And Jesus told the demons to, to get out of him. And they pleaded with him, please don't send us to, what did they say? They pleaded with him to please not send them to wherever this extremely scary place was. And so please will you send us into the pigs? And so the, the pigs committed suicide. He told a storm to shut up. He told demons to get out. And then the crowds came, and here is this man, Jairus, who says, my daughter's very ill, please will you come and heal her. And on the way, he's in the middle of lots and lots and lots of people, and he's being jostled on every side, and a woman touches his garment. And he turns and he says, who touched me? And they're like, are you nuts? Like, everyone is touching you. Everyone wants a piece of Jesus. Everyone is touching you. He said, no, I felt healing power leave me. And her deal was that she had been bleeding for 12 years, and her faith was such that she was healed. Her faith was such that she was healed. He told a storm to shut up. He told demons to get out. He told sickness to go away. Nature, the demonic, sickness, and then he went to Jairus' home and the sick girl had died, so he raised her from the dead. Nature, the demonic, sickness, and death. That lives in us. That lives in us. And I've recently reached ground that I'm grappling with. That's why I'm loath to share it because it's not clear in my mind. But could it be that our lives look like what we believe? What if we thoroughly believed that he drives out sickness? I wonder if we'd ever be sick. What if we believed thoroughly what the word of God says and not 
what our circumstances dictate. Oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're in a storm. Don't you care? Oh, shut up. And the storm dies down. And that lives in us. The story that I was going to tell is that I was lying in a bed in a room by myself and I had a dream and when I woke up, the presence of darkness in my room was tangible and I was facing the wall. I was sleeping on a lower bunk, um, no one on the top by myself in the room and as I woke up at a significant part of this nightmare, my body was spiked with goose flesh and I was lying facing the wall and I was aware of ridiculous demonic darkness behind me and I was tempted to look over and and perhaps satisfy my curiosity about that maybe but I can't be impressed about the darkness I began to focus on Jesus. I could not move. I was paralyzed and I could hardly breathe. I felt like I was being strangled. I felt like I was being held there by a ridiculous darkness. And my, my breath was like, do you know what that's like? It's called fear. Have you ever had that before? It's shallow and it's tight. And I knew the more I could not breathe that I had to say his name. I knew this, but I could hardly speak. I could hardly breathe, let alone speak. And I managed to get his name out on a whisper. Jesus. Such a pathetic whisper, pitiful whisper. And on that whisper, that thing left. And... Peace walked into my room. Fear left and peace came. Goosey's gone completely. It was like my whole body was up here. And it, it, was, it was a moment on a word uttered in a whisper. It was so ridiculously powerful and undeniable. And that happened twice more that night. And by the third time, I woke up feeling the, 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 the presence. And I just said, oh, Jesus, and it left. And I see now two months later that the Lord allowed me to go through that experience so that I can begin to process this place of knowing what is inside of us. His name is one of our weapons. Do you know that? So is praise. So is his word. And I can't afford to read his word so that I can know it, so that in those moments I can um, think of a scripture, think of a scripture. That's not knowing the word. That's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's like blank, flat, nothing. Because I don't know him. I read his word to know him and to live it. Not so that I can quote it when I need it. Because then it's about me, right? His name is a weapon that we use. And if it's a weapon, then this is a war. So can I sing a song? I was going to sing this song. 
just because I love the fact that I didn't write it. And check out the words. I didn't write this. You've heard my story. But these are the words of someone else's song. At the mention of your name, every chain will break. Everything will change. Jesus, just the whisper of your name will silence wind and waves, the boat, the storm. His name is Emmanuel. This is a war song. Jazzy, will you come? Where's Ellinger? Spirit. Come and speak to us, Jesus. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war you come back with the head of my enemy you come back and you call it my victory yeah and all I do is worship you
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Your presence with us. In the storm, and we all face storms, we can sleep in you and we can rest in the person of Jesus because he is in us. And we can say to the storm, be still. And when we come out and we come go into the marketplace and we see the demonically oppressed in our midst, we can speak to them and say, be gone. We can raise the dead because Christ lives in us. Christ the hope of our glory. And Lord, we want to be that kind of people, a people who move in the power of your Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have made each of us to love. I want you to repeat a prayer. Stand now and then we're going to praise. I want you to repeat a prayer after me. I thank you, Lord, that I am your child. That you love me. And that you have made me to love. That you have forgiven me. And you have made me to be forgiving. I give myself to you. I yield myself to you. I surrender myself to you. The days of anger that are driving me is over. The days of strife that is blocking me is over. Because I'm with you. I choose today to put off the old man and to put on Christ. I put on Christ. I put on Christ today. Every day I choose to walk with you. I choose to walk with you. I put on Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are working in my heart. That you are changing me from the inside out. I thank you for your presence in me. I rejoice. I say, Yabonga. I say, thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I rejoice in that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are making me. You are making me your masterpiece. Your masterpiece. I thank you, Lord, that you have given me your righteousness. I am righteous. That's who we are. I'm declaring that over you, church. You are righteous. You are holy. You are beloved. You are the children of God. And the Lord says, He doesn't as David led us to the table. He doesn't want us just to go home and not to live it out. He wants us to walk it out. He wants it to be part of us. And it's easy. It's easy because it's in us. It's His grace that is at work in your heart that is enabling you to be holy, to be righteous. 
It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to be with what He is. What He has done in your life and my life. Isn't that so exciting? You are new creations. I told you a couple of weeks ago, every morning, every day at night, when I wake up in the night, I say, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. I want you to declare that today. I am a new creation. Declare it. Declare it. I am a new creation. Live it out. Live it out. Let's worship Him.